In this week's episode, we may be burnt out on vampires. <sighs> but if you can mix up the mythos and bring something fresh, we are happy to hear you out. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Yes. I hope February is treating you well, and I hope you have plans for Valentine's Day or plans for avoiding Valentine's Day, if that's more of your speed. It's true. Though, I don't know about anybody else, but I am simultaneously feeling like, how is it already February? But also, how's it only February? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like... <laughs> Where did the first month of this year go? Time is an enigma. (laughs) It means nothing. (laughs) Absolutely wild. Well, we've got some comics to talk to you about today. Uh, We're going to kick things off uh, with the most romantic book I can think of. (laughs) Suicide Squad Blaze, number one. This was written by Simon Spurrier. Uh, with art by Aaron Campbell. The irony in your in your comment is that there is love. There is actually is yeah romance in in uh this book. Um, yeah, so this book finds many of the recognizable Suicide Squad individuals. So we've got Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, uh, King Shark, and Peacemaker, uh, who seems to just be an official Suicide Squad individual these days. Uh, I mean, when you're John Cena, it just becomes a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they are in Belle Reve, and they are doing things. And <laughs> the end. Anyway, t- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, more of the setup of the story of this, it's kind of hard for me to dive too far in without ruining some pretty important story points, so I'm going to try not to. Uh, but there is some sort of metahuman that is running around effectively eating people. He's fast and can fly and, you know, seems suspiciously Kryptonian. I don't know yet, though. Um, but he's rolling around just randomly grabbing three people a day and, like, dismembering them and eating them and biting them and tearing them apart. And it's really gruesome and terrible. We're lucky he's not a hobbit. And, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. What about second breakfast? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. um uh, oh no he's coming back for 11s oh no and it's like people all over the world so there's not really a good way for them to track it so the Su- the justice league is being you know grilled about like why aren't you stopping this and they're like we don't know what to do and whatnot um in comes a suicide squad program called Blaze, wherein select individuals, in this case, uh, Harley Quinn, King Shark, Captain Boomerang, and Peacemaker, would be injected with uh, a serum or some sort of chemical that would give them superpowers of some random type, uh, but they would only have three months to live. And to that, they say, hell nah. They're like, nah. So then it goes to other prisoners, and that's when our main character and narrator gets involved, uh, and we see kind of how that develops with them. So it's a new cast of characters featured alongside the familiar Suicide Squad as they go to try to figure out who this metahuman is uh, that's killing people because the world at large really doesn't need a metahuman out there just acting on basic instinct uh, because it really paints the whole metahuman concept in a negative light. T, what did you think? Man, 
I love Cy Spurrier. I am one of Cy's guys. I am a Spurrier's courier. I am a fan. I. It's just, I'm so excited that Cy is doing more DC stuff. I love the vibe. I love that it's it's weird, strange, goobery characters in a weird environment, but it's still very emotional and real. And I love that. I love that that's a thing. Like, I love that DC is like, hey, here's this random character set that is strange. Mm. People love it. People, this is like a cult thing. I'm and honestly just like, oh yeah, cult stuff. And I'm, I'm like, honestly yeah. just <laughs> amazed that it wasn't like, hey, you for Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn, and Count Boomerang prisoners, you're gonna be part of Blaze. And then it was like, but we have five injections, so we need to get a fifth person. And then like Constantine just like walks out of the bag. <laughs> I would have really, peed myself. I feel like every time Cy Spurrier does something DC, he's like, and then also Constantine, maybe? Because Constantine's amazing, and he got robbed yeah, off he of did. being able yeah. to finalize that the way he wanted to. So I will die mad about that. <laughs> but this book is great. It's so fun. It's, it's simultaneously very funny and kitschy. It feels like... I, I think what's so fun about this is that it feels like a James Gunn movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it has the heart and the interest and the, you know, personal relationships, and it feels very, like, real. But yeah. at the same time, spoiler alert, the power that our lead guy gets is terrible and hilarious. Yeah. And that's so appropriate. I'm super bummed by, and I'll go ahead and preface, this is going to be a bit spoilery of at least one thing, so I'm I'm sorry. If you don't want to hear it, you can skip ahead if you want. Um, but I'm a bit bummed at the power that they gave him, because I, a long time ago, had an idea for either a comic or a series, like some sort of like ongoing thing right? that was going to be set in a world where... Like, everyone was given superpowers. The whole world was given superpowers right. by this crazy supervillain. And it was going to focus on a support group of people who have, like, shitty superpowers. <laughs> and one of the dudes I had an idea for just had invisible fingers. That was his <laughs> superpower. He just had, like, lumpy palms at the end of his arms. and But he still could grab things. So it wasn't going to be, like... Because I wanted it to be, like... If I did, like, a visual thing, like a series, I thought it would be cool having him, like, hold a soda can, but it's, like, you know, yeah. but it's not as cool as somebody with, like, who's fully invisible holding it. But, right. like, what do you do with invisible fingers? And then Simon Spurrier swooped into my brain, stole that idea, and gave us the man with just invisible arms, which it's, is hilarious. I love that. It's, it's so funny. I mean, he's probably using some Constantine voodoo to <laughs> get up in your brain and steal the funniest of the, yeah. st the superpowers. And I think it's per it's so appropriate. And this guy's just trying to exist and he just wants to be in love. And it's like, no. Yeah. No. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's a real sad. This is a real Ben Stiller character kind of guy. <laughs> It's a, it's a, yeah. One yeah. of those guys that like just bad things are happening to him constantly. Yeah. You know, but it's a cool book. It's a cool concept, you know, outside of the kind of the funny bits of it, this idea of a metahuman just acting on base instinct. 
and what that like it it does a good job looking at how the world would there's a lot of like concessions you have to make in a world that is controlled by super people you know what i mean like governments still have to exist economies still have to exist but you have these people that i think at one point they say something about could headbutt the world in half yeah you know what i mean and it's like how does the world exist with that and this paints a really interesting picture of it being this really delicate thing where like it works as long as people don't think about it too much. Yep. And so when you have, because, you know, you have your supervillains and they're all bombastic, but the superheroes stop them. But then when you have some, like, a metahuman who's just like, I feel like eating people and assaulting Full people. Full-on psychopath, sociopath. Yeah. Just complete id, like, <coughs> just wants to eat and sleep and F and move on. You know yep. what I mean? And that's all at once. It really paints, it, it opens up that question, and they mention that, where, like, the reason this is such a big deal, and it's not being left for the Justice League to eventually figure out how to track this guy, is because the powers that be don't like the idea of people questioning, like, is this metahuman thing a good thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a really interesting concept. It's a, you know, we see it, every time there's kind of this world that's, like, vigilantes and super people are bad it's like civil war it's like oh a metahuman exploded and killed a bunch of kids Mm -hmm. or like you know in the future state stuff it's just like a general police state in devil's reign right now it's like wilson fisk whole thing is like oh you know new york keeps getting attacked by super people and the only reason that happens is because we let super people in the city so let's get rid of super it's always like the trauma, the big right. things are what's looked at. This is just like people getting wary on metahumans just because of what metahumans could be. What they If they mean. really, truly wanted yeah. to. And it's like, it almost, it, it's fun too, because I read this and then kind of sat on it a little bit and I thought about it later. And I was like, this is kind of like the follow-up to that what was it Brightburn movie mm-hmm. with like the evil super kid evil yeah. superman kid because he kind of acted the same way just on id yeah, yeah. Right, you mean? no 100 percent. so it's like kind of an interesting parallel there but it's a cool book especially because wasn't that like a james gunn movie it was uh no. i think he produced it yeah. but it was written by his brother yeah or, yeah or it was cousin or something it was written by a different gun it's just interesting yeah. but uh cool book it's another magazine another black label uh it's wonderfully gritty it's a really fun depiction of the suicide squad characters like harley quinn's really unchained and like it's it's i like what he did with her in this too because like i think too often harley quinn gets just relegated to like she's the one that's gonna say funny stuff we don't see enough of her being like actually capable yeah and, like, actually like dangerous but she's always like lumped in with these very dangerous people and outside of like one of the earlier suicide squad runs that she was in it's usually just like she's here and she might get the jump on people and the movie the most recent suicide squad movie did a really good job of making her dangerous you know yeah. what I mean? but i don't feel like it's highlighted enough i feel like it's like look at how dangerous this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy are and then harley's here for some jokes well, and that's another thing, too, that I liked about this book is that while it made her dangerous, it also made her incapable. It also reminded of the smart 
because there's a moment where, you know, she gets provoked mm. and she responds accordingly, which is great. But then later on, they actually make her like captain of the squad. Like at one point, they're actually told like Quinn's in charge. God yeah. help you. God help you. But yeah. but they wouldn't have put Harley in charge if Harlene wasn't still in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's so much of an often circumstance where it's like Harley Quinn's just crazy. But no, Harley is very aware of herself and it's almost to some extent a bit of an act at this point. Like there there's a there's a middle ground. She's very much like a mod podge of the Harley Quinn people expect and the Harleen that she used to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that was nice. I like that. And they she's kinda... still crazy. She'll stab you in the oh, eyeball. Oh, she's still crazy. She feels like it. Hey, don't provoke the bear. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. That was not her fault. <laughs> Moving on. Next up, we have from SourcePoint Press, uh, which is a company we don't talk about much. And I'm yeah. going to hit on why I have a bone to pick with that company, but Uh-oh. we'll see. Uh, Cover of Darkness, number one. This was written by uh, George Mikhail and Chris Cam with art by MJ Hiblin. Uh, this one is hard to really hammer down in terms of a uh, synopsis because it takes place over in different time periods. In one time period, we have a man... Uh, conspicuously named Vladimir and very against the name Vlad, who becomes the thrall of a vampire, uh, this ancient, really old Nosferatu-looking vampire who requires him to bring him meals every full moon. He does that for a few years, I think like 10, 20 years, something like that, and then he demands that he be made immortal as well. Uh, Upon doing so, he enjoys the power a bit too much we also have a tale in the future uh i think that particular tale took takes place like 200 years in change uh before the other story that takes place which features a uh romani family a traveling family uh who are just trying to make a living out in the wilderness uh and two of them can shapeshift into animals i don't know if the others can but anyway, there's vampires, there's werewolves, there's other sorts of were blanks, and uh, shapeshifters, changelings, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and then there's also the promise in like preview snippets of like a pharaoh, and on the cover there's like a Franken monster kind of thing. So it's a it's a wild story. Uh, T, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. You know, I was a little hesitant because starting in it, I saw the Nosferatu looking fella. And I was like, Oh my God, vampires again. Yeah. Cause you guys know how we feel about that right now. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the thing still. It is. Yeah. It's, it's still the thing getting beaten to death. <laughs> We're ready for it to not be the thing. We actually have a prediction that it's about to not be the thing, but it's mm. fine. Um, but as we kept reading it, I realized that it was going to incorporate this like Romani magic and these shape shifting and, it it kind of sets them up as like rough and tumble and like they know how to fight and mm-hmm. it's I'm excited because I like the idea that maybe like is this Romani family gonna be like anti vampire and like vampire huntery stuff? Is That'd this be gonna cool. be yeah. like is this gonna be like them teaming up with werewolves or are they gonna team up with the vampires to fight the werewolves? Like I don't know, but it's nice because there's enough 
mythology and folklore mm-hmm. and different bits of mythos introduced in this first issue yeah. that it's not just oh hey look dracula well yeah and <laughs> and telling the stories in like two different time periods is intriguing because it gives you this concept or this question of when are they going to converge obviously and they will how are they going to converge yeah they have to be similarly important and then you know like i said the preview snippet at the end of the book says oh there's a pharaoh coming so we got a mummy da coming how does that fit in? And I, I, that's what I like about this book is it's more than just vampires. It's beyond vampires. Agreed. It's kind of pulling in all these kind of classic, the like, quote unquote, universal monsters into uh, one story that focuses around this Romani family for some reason. Uh, and I like them. And I, you know, I'm rooting for them. So I'm excited to see how it all kinds of, kind of ties together. And it is always nice when there is a vampire book. I'm so burnt out on vampires. And a lot of we people all. that I've talked to, yeah, are also burnt out on vampires in comics. They're just getting so done. But when you find a vampire book that in in itself is unique, it just stands out so much more. It's so like, exciting. We talked to we talked about this book on a previous episode a long time ago. It's now like four or five issues in, and it's one of my favorite books that hits the shelf out. From yes. AWA, oh, the story so about good. like Nazis finding a vampire in this old castle, and they're trying to use it to fight the allies, and they enlist a code talker to talk to him, and you know get the vampire on their side. And it's sure it's just another vampire story, but it's so good. It's, it's just so unique good. and fresh, and it's beyond just like we're vampires in leather jackets on and motorcycles, it, I mean, which seems to be the speci- big thing looking out, at you, Cult of Vicarious. Out is a special, yeah, true. Out is a special beast, too, because not only is it a vampire book, which gets overplayed, but it's a World War II book, mm-hmm. which can is a time period that gets kind of yeah. run into the ground. But they picked a very interesting perspective yeah. of World War it's very, II. It's very fresh on both. It <clears throat> on uses, both sides. It uses two things that are very commonly done, but is very fresh kind of on both of them. Which yeah, is it takes a very unique... different takes. But we're not talking about that one. We're right. talking Sorry. about... Cover... <laughs> Sorry for the diatribe. We're, we're talking about Cover of Darkness, which, again, is unique, is fresh. You know, I like this idea of kind of doing a truncated, possibly Dracula story kind of like building yeah. up. Um, it seems like they're taking a couple of liberties with how vampires work and stuff. And then we just have all these other things getting thrown into the mix, all centered around this family, which is cool. Um, I mentioned that I have a beef with source point mm-hmm. and it kind of shows in this one. It's not as bad. Okay. My big issue with source point is that I don't know what method they use to print their books, but it often leaves the artwork looking kind of faded and pixelated. It looks kind of fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get it as much in this one, but I've passed on a lot of source point stuff because I open it up and it looks like the <laughs> files they used for the artwork weren't at the right deep like PPI the, or like Yeah, the DPS the off and correct resolution and yeah. they just went with what they had and it comes out kind of fuzzy and pixelated. Stop building stuff at 72, guys. It's yeah, 300 so or bust. <laughs> source point, I don't know what you're doing. I don't pretend to know how the printing process works but you might want to look into figuring it out because there's some books admittedly that i've skipped on because i've opened them and the artwork's just fuzzy but this one was very good and the art was really cool and unique uh in its own kind of way it kind of had like a slight kind of cartooniness to it if you think like the 
I don't want to say edgier, but the more kind of gonzo cartoons from like the late nineties and early two thousands, like a Gindy Tartakovsky cartoon or something like that. Like it had that kind of jagged edges on people, but then it still kind of kept that down. It was more like kept it kind of subtle, but I like the mythology that's being built and I like all the different creatures being thrown into the mix. Yeah. I think it could be a cool book overall. I think it's got a lot of potential. Yeah. That's going to do it for us. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find them at CoverBPodcast.com. That's right. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoverBPodcast. So thank you again for listening. Everyone get out and have a good weekend. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. You're our Uh, Valentine. If you're celebrating (laughs) Galentine's Day, happy Galentine's Day, girl. Yeah. Uh, If you're (laughs) celebrating Valentine's Day alone, no big deal. There are still people out there that love you, and you can have just as good of a time by yourself or with friends. And it's important to love yourself. It is important to love yourself. You are your own Valentine. That's right. And we are you. I'll be your Valentine. Yeah. Uh, y'all are totally our Valentines. Obviously, we would rather spend time with you. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> so everyone have a good weekend. Uh, as always, I have been Chris. This has been T. Yep. And you have been listening to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, Bye everybody.